Hello, welcome to the 50th episode proper of Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten, and I'm here with Parks Miller. Uh, when I say 50th episode proper, I know that if you look at the list of episodes, it says like 52 or 3. We're not counting the bonus episodes. This is Strictly Dumps. This is our 50th proper episode, and we are excited for it. 50th as we titled it, yes. not as uh, whatever posting service titles it. Right. But yeah. Congratulations, us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we give ourselves a big pat on the back? Well, our baby's about a year old. We're about a roughly one year old baby. Actually, um, we are. I think the first episode came out October 22nd, I want to say, um, last year. So, yeah, we're, we're about a year in. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we have a big, big, big dump today. Um, one that, you know, deserved to be saved until we had 49 other episodes under our belt. Because there's a lot to tackle here. Um, this is going to be a multi-parter, too. And it's one that people have, have brought up to us, but it's also one that we've been planning on forever. It's just, you know, you don't want to do the really good ones right out the gate, you know? Like, you, you have yeah. to hit a milestone before you deserve to get to talk about this. But this is Dumps of Love. Dumps of Love. Great name. Um, which is the, uh, basically, the Of Love reality series. So... There is reality television, and then there was this very specific run. Celeb these, reality is what it was celeb, called. But then it was also weird because then it kind of it, it started with celebrities, but then it created this whole new class of stars who were not celebrities before the shows, but then became celebrities reality because stars, of yeah. them. Yeah, but v like VH1 very specifically. had a very good thing going because... Yeah, like what's what started with, you know, real celebrities and not even A-list by any means, like spawned off and like became its own like um, self-sustaining like well of entertainment because they created their own class of celebrity that was specific just to their network and their brand. Um, and, you know, it, it, it really does kind of like these shows, the of love shows, and we'll get into what they all mean and where they all come from and all that. But it's. Like, it's truly, like, a characteristic of the time. You know, this is, like, MySpace-era right. reality TV. Mm -hmm. um, reality TV is still trashy, but it will never be like it was during this period of time. This was, like, over the fucking top with, like, just right. nastiness, basically. Right. And so we're going we're gonna to go in a little bit on the history of reality TV before then, but when we're referring to the Of Love series, I mean, you are talking about a relatively short window, uh, technically, like, starting with Flavor of Love um, well, in and it goes, it goes, 2006. It starts back a little bit further But, uh, than but that, I'm just but yeah. saying the Of of Love. We're yeah. going to... Flavor yeah, we're going to give up... first, yeah. That's 2006, and then it ended around 2010. Right. So that's kind of the meat and potatoes, but obviously at Culture Dumps, we're going to bring in lots of other things that relate and are tangential to it but those specific the flavor of love show spawned this whole other thing and there was even stuff before it that spawned it but it's this crazy web and it was kind of like also in a way a dump of vh1 having their moment um as a as a weird sister network to mtv yeah yeah because yeah, vh1 was always the classic rock 
stuff, you know, and like like VH1 mm-hmm. always relied more on television shows rather than music videos. MTV relied at originally heavily on music videos and music video centered shows, whereas VH1 kind of centered more like they had behind the music and they had more of like these documentary things. And then eventually they created celeb reality. But why are these culture dumps? Well, not only are these shows culture dumps material, but they are literally the archetype of a culture dump. Each show we will be discussing could have had their own episode. These shows represent the Wild West era of reality TV. Anything went and the rules were made up as they went along. VH1 created their own genre of reality TV known as celeb reality. What began as one silly experiment grew into over a dozen spin-offs fueled by the unpredictability of the contestants and the stars. Unfortunately, that same unpredictability that made these shows so popular would also be their undoing. The format of reality television was forever changed by an unforeseen tragedy that completely dismantled the celeb reality genre. Uh, this is a juicy one. There's there's a lot of aspects that we're going to be talking about here. There's true crime stuff. There's just like cultural stuff. There's romance. You know, it's a dump of love. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's sex. It, this is just a, a great thing for us to cover and I'm, I'm very excited for it we watched collectively easily like a hundred hundred plus hours uh, of this shit yeah. like yeah, i mean and, and it's like i'm dumber now yeah i mean this was also definitely a nostalgia trip which i mean oftentimes we get into that with culture dumps but i do remember when these shows were coming out at the time so i do think that that might speak to a certain generation of people um, when these shows were coming out and it was kind of this, I can't believe, like, what are they going to do next? Like, how are they going to top the absurdity, the ridiculousness, the sort of exploitation of the whole thing? And then, so rewatching some of this stuff, I was really taken back to that place in time. (laughs) Well, and when these shows were on TV, I was like, too cool for that like i was like this shit's fucking so whack like so stupid who would watch that same like, here you know what i mean right and then, how how dumb was i like yeah. I, well, I i spent years not having yeah. the entertainment that these shows provide you know well i will say yeah because i guess for me from like the 2006 2010 i had just graduated high school so i think at that moment i was I discovered them, especially because some of them involve musicians, Flavor Flav and Brett Michaels. And so to me, I was appreciating it as this hipster being like, yeah. I'm into all my cool music. And then to me, Brett Michaels was kind of, you know, a lead singer of Poison sort of represented, you know, all these things about the stuff I was very, you know, kind of morally opposed to as a musician. So I was watching it very ironically being like, look at this trash, look at this garbage. But now kind of revisiting it, it's like they knew what they were doing. Well, they knew what they were doing and they weren't as like, I just really was taking it at face value that all these people were as stupid as was being presented. Now that's going to be, at least for me, this big thing thing I'm wrestling with with reality TV is like what a part of it is real and what isn't. And I think that it's actually pretty geniusly. The lines are geniusly blurred. Yeah. And it is very hard to tell sometimes. Um, what yeah what it's like what wrestling orchestrated it's like, or not. it's like, you know, with professional wrestling, like, you know, that the the um, like when people say wrestling's fake, it's like, well, no, that the match, the, the matches are, are predetermined like who's going to win but like you can't fake a chair to the face 
You know yes, what I mean? Exactly. It's like, and that's, yeah. th this is like the chair to the face factor. But we have to get into the dawn of reality TV. So, reality TV has come to dominate entertainment. What is now a multi billion dollar industry has its roots in experimentation and high risk production with little to no payoff. The true roots of reality television are often debated, but here at Culture Dumps, we think without a doubt, reality TV began in 1973 when PBS released their miniseries, An American Family. The documentary-style series focused on the Loud family, a sub <laughs> no pun intended, a suburban family living in Santa Barbara, California. The parents, along with their five children, were shown going through good times, hard times, laughter, and arguments. The show sparked a national inquiry into whether or not the show was actually real, a question that is still asked of reality TV to this day. Uh, HBO made a movie about that called, I think it's called um, Cinema Verite. Uh, James Gandolfini's in it. I, th I believe he plays the director. Um, and, and, you know, it's considered to be kind of the inspiration for all of these like situational reality TV shows where it's like just like people living in a house. You know what I mean? We, right. That like had never been done before. Putting the camera in an everyday situation and just saying like this is going to be the show it's not you don't have scripts you don't have these fantastic action sequences or you don't have this you don't have actors. drama yeah you don't have actors and that is a relatively you know at some point that was a new concept we're so inundated with it now and now we have social media instagram where you can kind of have every little bit of your boring ass day-to-day -day life <laughs> broadcast for everyone but at a time that could have that was seen like oh whoa that's a new idea. Right. But also it was met with like, why would I want to watch this? Like I live with a family. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it's this whole thing. So due to the criticism. Too soon. Right. Too soon. Yeah. And due to the criticism of an American family, we would not see anything like it for decades. However, in the 1980s, we saw a couple other seedlings of reality TV. Uh, for instance, Cops and America's Funniest Home Videos. And an argument could be made that game shows also influenced the creation of modern day reality TV. Because again, like, you don't know what's going to come out of these people's mouths. Mm -hmm. They're just average people. Like, let's see what really happens. You know, yeah. there's a risk. You know, there, there's a, a chance it's anyone's game. But in 1992, MTV aired the first season of The Real World, which, according to David Yontef, a reality TV expert and host of the vastly successful reality TV-based podcast, Behind the Velvet Rope, was the very first reality show. I, As far as we know reality shows today, yes, The Real World is definitely the first. Right. Yeah, I mean... Though it is interesting, Cops is this interesting outlier because in a way, Cops is the first reality show, but it's so completely predicated. I mean, it actually involves the police. So it is like yeah. it's in its own genre um, and it's not really like for fun, I yeah. guess. Um, <laughs> fun for because us. It's, actu yeah. it's actual cops and people are actually getting arrested on camera. But um, so, yeah, you can't really consider it that. But it is like this weird thing. Also, cops has been on TV for this incredibly long amount of time. Um, right. And it's coming yeah. back uh, on, on the on the new Fox News uh, owned like uh, station. Uh, right. Figure. Right. The only There's people that want to make a, make cops again. Right. But yeah, the real world. Yeah. It's like was, then was the first putting especially because then there was this whole idea of let's put people in a house. Let's, yes. let's make have our own house. And then we cast we have the people come into that house. Yeah. We cut them off from the rest of the world. You know, they're they're pulled. Right. They, these people would never have met each other. You know, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of makes stage. it that kind of makes it different than a documentary, whereas like an American family is kind of in between because it's still sort of is like documentary style which of course that's been going on forever um but with when you create the house you're kind of creating this like weird like zoo petri dish environment Biodome. 
where you yeah exactly and then you can put cameras everywhere and sort of it is like a human experiment like let's put these different people you know people from different walks of life in the house and see how they're gonna react yes and and that yeah that started everything i also just want to say really quick um America's Funniest Home Videos, you know, the reason why we consider that reality TV is because people are sending in these real things, you know, and, and like rather than having to write like slapstick skits, you just like mm-hmm. put on the video of the dad getting whacked in the nuts at a t-ball game, you know, right. and that that's fantastic. Um, but my favorite moment from cops ever is one where they get called because the guy got shot. And when they come into the house, he's sitting there like holding his stomach and he's like, I'm so stupid. And they're like, why? What happened? He's like, well, I was trying to scare my uncle. And when I came around the corner, he shot me. Like, so this guy's, like, yeah. hiding from his uncle. Right, right. <laughs> and then fucking when he's like, boo, the uncle thought someone was, like, sneaking around his house. So he shoots him. He's like, you idiot. But, that, yeah, that, that's great. So at the turn of the millennium, there were three shows that completely changed the way television was produced and altered the course of entertainment history forever. In 2000, the competition show Survivor aired its first season. Survivor took a group of people from all different walks of life, stuck them on an island, and had them compete against each other in physical challenges for a million-dollar prize. While the competition was the backstone of the show, what really made it a sensation was the interactions between the contestants. Where traditional game shows featured people competing against each other with little mention of their personalities survivor was centered around the people themselves rather than the game and like i said like dating shows are kind of real like like a big part of reality tv as well and game shows like uh, blind date came out in 1999 that that yeah. can be considered part of this the dating game from the 60s you know where mm-hmm. again it's real people right you know but and the sur- focusing on survivor it. survivors That's taking not a, a survivors taking a competition show um, a game show, but then because they're being placed in the on the island for an extended period of time, all these other things can happen. Mainly like these alliances, there can be all, and so those there's like this extended um, strategy to it, and that does, and it also is being putting people to the test of like just being in this one place for a really long time yeah, together. Exactly. And that was what was innovative about it. The I one just started watching. They didn't expect was each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I just started watching Survivor last year and uh I actually really love it. I also think I I think I had turned my nose to that and I was too cool for that when it came out in the 2000s. I watched it when it when it was out. Um, like I watched and it. And I'm actually parents. like, damn, this is actually like a good show cuz I just again Reality TV does have this stereotype, and I think that this this being sort of a pr- before these of love shows when things got so ridiculous, I just assumed it was going to be this kind of manufactured drama. And then what I realized is there's actually it's a bunch of people who are legit trying to win a million dollars and doing like crazy strategy for it. And I yeah. was extremely entertained by Survivor. And Survivor is great because like these people, you know, they're like starving. They're like getting fucking parasites and like sunburns and all this crazy <laughs> shit. And then like, they're like, 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 and then they have to like battle each other in some, in like, you know, climb this fucking net, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing when they're like starving and it's like you win. And it's like, here's a fucking bag of Doritos and a Pepsi. And they're like, Oh yes. Like, it's like, oh, like, yeah. they, like it's gonna until they different. gave them the million dollars, they really didn't like, have to give them too much to keep them motivated it's like you can have a cheeseburger and they're like no like i have to get that cheeseburger and like it just becomes like this thing so in march of in march of 2002 we were introduced to the first family of rock and roll the osbournes crazy hey but that's how it goes millions of people 
The Osbournes was the first reality show to have zero structure. According to the creators and the Osbournes themselves, the first season was completely touch and go. Ozzy Osbourne was already an icon, but overnight his family became major celebrities, and this show established the format of having no format. Um, I believe this was produced by Marcus Fox, who, who also did the next show we're going to talk about. And I met him because when I worked at a, a marijuana dispensary back in the day, they filmed like uh, a pilot for a reality show based around the girls that worked at the shop and he was the producer and I remember I was like so snotty a because they didn't want me involved in the show at all like I just had to help all the customers mm -hmm. so I was like being a yeah. prick and like playing metal music and he came up to me and he's like look man I know what you're doing and like when I worked on the Osbournes Jack didn't come out of his room for like the first 12 days of shooting and he would just play Meshuggah like blaringly loud he's like you're not gonna fuck with me and like, I just stopped trying to fuck with him after that. Like, <laughs> Damn, he got your ass. Dude. Yeah, dude, he totally did. Um, and he would just smoke joints all fucking day. And we're like, you're not allowed to smoke it anyways. But uh, just a few months later, another yeah. reality bomb was dropped on the world. This is a huge thing. The Anna Nicole Smith show. The immense success of this underdog show proved that people wanted to see celebrities, no matter at what stage of their career they were in, just living their day-to-day -day life. The unintentional chaos proved to be a ratings magnet, and that is when Mark Cronin and Chris Abrego got to thinking, if one B2C list celebrity on a reality show is good, then having a whole house full must be better. So their brainchild was presented to the world on VH1 in January of 2003, that brainchild's name was The Surreal Life. The Surreal Life, yeah. But I, w I do want to say before we get into The Surreal Life that yeah. both with Anna Nicole Smith's show, which is deserving of its own dump, and uh, The Osbournes, there is something about it that, um, I mean, you can't really say either of these people were in their prime of their careers when these shows happened. And so I think that, that exactly. I think there's always been sort of, you know, you you always want to see the Beyonce's, Metallica's, Lady Gaga's, like, you know, in their moment. You, like, you want that documentary of them, you know, working on that album or doing their greatest Yeah, unless piece it's and kind uh, of, Saint Anger. <laughs> then you, you know, get turned right. into a dump. <laughs> of course. But, but again, with Metallica, they they were recording all of their albums. Um, like, they were, they were filming all of their albums at the right. recording process. And usually it just went to the fans. And Saint Anger kind of grew its own legs as its own thing but there's so much footage of all the metallica you know doing even like black album and and justice for all and all that stuff but with ozzy like for me i even though i liked black sabbath i there was even for me for of that generation where i didn't understand i was like what the fuck is wrong with ozzy osbourne like that <laughs> i think to a i think to a whole generation of people like didn't realize that he was this badass fucking lead singer of Black Sabbath and like the he Prince was this darkness. like yeah like this like awesome like rock guy like I love I've had to like retroactively kind of go back into Ozzy's catalog and be like I love this guy this is one of He's my favorite great. singers of all time um, and not to say he isn't great on the Osbournes, but it's totally presenting. Like, I think that that they had to the, be like the bumbling, like, he, like they turned Ozzy, they turned the Prince of Darkness into Homer Simpson. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's where they struck gold is like, it's different than say Ozzy at the peak of Sabbath in some sort of more traditional rock and roll, like rock God thing, or like Anna Nicole in her like modeling prime. Right. There is something about it where it's like these people are now who were up on these pedestals seem kind of pathetic 
and it's again this weird like zoo kind of like you know the monkey yeah. entertainer kind of thing that's like yeah it's kind of fucked up you know you know and like the worst they the like the more at their worst they were the better it was for the show and right. uh, another another big vh1 trend that they did was uh, all these countdown shows and one of them was the 40 least metal moments um, right a, a couple mm-hmm. of our dumps have been featured on there uh, predominantly the jethro toll uh, debacle but like they talk about the osborns being like this least metal thing where it's like what the fuck man like you're the prince of darkness now you're like fumbling with the remote control and like mm-hmm. you know picking up dog shit and like you know what i mean like so stuff like right. that so yeah it, it changed the way that television producers like sought out new material like it didn't you didn't have to have someone like really fucking famous like for instance like if say paul mccartney got if he got a show mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same sensation as the osbournes was you know what i mean it's like you have to there has to be this dichotomy right but also i will say that that's most likely because the osbournes went along with this experiment and I would imagine that Paul McCartney, he just gives the impression of someone who is very carefully in control of his image. So I just feel like if Paul McCartney did a reality show, he would be having like a lot more editorial command and be like, yeah. no, you're not going to, you know, like Get you can have my ass. You can, yeah. yeah, you can have me fumbling with the remote, but only if it still kind of fits into the Paul McCartney brand. And I think the Osbournes kind of went for it and it was just this thing of like oh the shit show is what sells yes yeah That's and the Osborne is fantastic um there's yeah. a, there's a show I, I i think it was available maybe on on hulu or, or tubi called culture shock there's only six episodes um but one of the episodes is about the osborns and like you know they're all in it and yeah they talk about how you know it was like such a revolution but it was so hard on the kids because again overnight instant fucking celebrities like drugs drug abuse blah 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 and then you know by the second season, Sharon gets cancer and they have to deal with that. And then Ozzy gets mm-hmm. into a quad accident and he's in the hospital and they don't know if he's going to make it. And all this shit starts happening. And that's the beauty of reality TV is like, it's fucking real. You know what I mean? Uh, n- not so much uh, anymore, but at the time, you know, it was this, this formatless format. So yeah, now we're but, in the age mm-hmm. of celeb reality, uh, starting yeah. with the surreal life. So the reality TV gods shined down on the world in 2003 with the introduction of VH1's The Surreal Life. The Surreal Life placed a group of fading stars in a mansion, and reality did the rest. While there were some challenges, there was no end goal, no prizes, just drama. The show included public figures from film, television, music, and sports, and the first season was an absolute hit, and more seasons were scheduled for production almost immediately. Um, the first season's really great. Uh, there is a, there's one season in particular that we'll talk about that is the best. But the, the first season had Vince Neil, MC Hammer, Corey Feldman, Emmanuel Lewis, uh, Jerry Manthe, who was from Survivor. She was like the big bitch, um, oh, as, yeah, as yeah. she was known. Mm-hmm. And she actually seems really cool. Uh, Brand Roderick and Gabrielle Carteris. And uh, the, the thing with with the first season of surreal life is like Corey Feldman and MC hammer are like these like righteous, like moralistic guys. Like, like they don't want, like there's one scene where they have dinner and it's like sushi on a naked chick and Corey Feldman won't do it. Even though he has threesomes all the time with his wife, uh, she's not yeah. involved. So he can't be near this. And MC hammers like can't even be in the same room as a naked woman. So there's like that shit going on. Like, and I like, mean, they, yeah, that's really funny. I they, think, they give him challenges too, where it's just like, but the challenge is like, okay, um, there's not an angle. You guys had to put on like a puppet show for some kids. Like, there's no prizes or anything. It's just like they just give him shit to do. Right, and there's yeah, it's just kind of yeah, we need to think of stuff to do that 
what 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 now we got them in the house what do we do with them so the challenge yes. it, but that's what's kind of interesting if you i mean when you get down there is like this is this is the wild west this is figuring out like this all this stuff is going to become a formula and they're going to figure out kind of these ways to still have that reality sense but kind of control the narrative more and this is that wild west of like we're yes. just gonna see what happens and like it's such a sensation because you could have followed around any one of those people and given them their own reality show, but the fact that you put them all together and the house that they put them in, by the way, was uh, Glenn Campbell's mansion. Like it was this mansion famously owned by Glenn Campbell in the Hollywood Hills, and like they always mm -hmm. like make it a point to say that, even though nothing about the house screams Has Glenn it? Campbell. Right. It's just like they just want you to know who fucking owned it at one point, mm -hmm. and it's like okay, like Glenn Campbell, like sure, huge legend, but like this has no fucking point. Like there's no point. Like you know what I mean? It does not fucking matter well but we're house. talking celebrities so you just if there's a yeah. you can't not mention the celebrity related yeah the to house it. is it's like it's like sex in the city you know when they're like well new york is kind of a character too it's just like <laughs> it's like that the mansion is as much of a character as uh, vince neal so uh, now it's gonna get really complicated but you know because there's gonna be a lot of moving parts here but you know stick with us so but and also we know that a complicated dump is a good dump so the true start of celeb reality begins with september of 2004 surreal life season three i know we skipped over season two it it had vanilla ice which was great he like trashes the house um they 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 have um uh ron jeremy's on that one he has like pet turtles um mm -hmm. ron jeremy is now probably going to spend the rest of his life in prison tammy faye baker was on that one like yeah, one of the I challenges remember, that they give him is they have to one. work at yeah you remember that one and they have to yeah. work at like a, yeah. a fast food place and gary coleman is their manager and like vanilla ice picks up Gary Coleman and is like holding him over a fryer. And he's like, I'm going to put you in there unless you say what you're talking about, Willis. And it's mm -hmm. just like, and everyone's just like, Oh my God, you can't pick up like a little person. Like, what are you yeah. doing? It's so bad. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, season three now season three is really where all of this stuff starts. So the cast of that season was made up of Charo, Dave Coulier, Ryan Starr from American Idol, Jordan Knight of new kids on the block, Bridget Nielsen and Flavor Flav. And out of all of the insane things to have happened on that season, the one that really stood out to viewers and network executives was the unexpected love affair between Bridget and Flav. Yeah, now, Bridget, who's like model actress, eighties mega babe, you and, know. Yeah, and by that time she was like a like a cigarette. Like she was like, like she was a cigarette and like I saw her recently on a, or not even recently. Like I, I watched it recently. It was filmed years ago, but it was like an Oprah. Where are they now? And she's like, it was like 10 years after all of this flavor flavor shit had blown over. And she's like, stop talking to me about it. And she looked much better by the way. Like she was drinking so much during that time. She said like drugs, mm -hmm. the whole deal. She looked much better, uh, better than she did 10 years before, you know, which is always mm -hmm. impressive. But that season's fucking crazy. And yeah, like Bridget, I mean, I, like she's always getting naked. Like at one point they bring in Chippendales dancers and like she like gets like butt naked and is like dancing like a fucking slender man. It's like insane. And like just smoking and drinking the whole time. She's always wearing like a one piece bathing suit and a baseball hat, which is just not like it's just a it's weird a look. look. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, look. I'll say that. That's 2000s look. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then, like, but the best, like, what one of the main things that, that stand out, obviously, is their love affair. They're, like, making out. She's, like, over a foot taller than Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav's, like, 5'3", mm -hmm. and she's, like, 6'2". 
So yeah. it's like it's just this weird, <laughs> I mean, weird thing. And he's like in the jacuzzi with a clock around his neck and like Viking horns, like making out with this Scandinavian like ex goddess who was married to Sylvester Stallone for a while. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's just like totally bizarre. It's, and he's just like, you feel my boner? Like you feel it's, that? Like, it's totally surreal. It, it actually is, is one. And because this, and as you're gonna get into it, I mean this. This was not planned. They didn't. There's no way no. that this could Dude. be predicted. And this is like <laughs> this is like this. the butterfly effect, where like this butterfly fla- flapping its wings is going to create this monster shitstorm of reality. Yeah, it, TV. yeah. What, what they thought was going to be a butterfly became Mothra, uh, essentially, <laughs> is is what's happening here. And the fucking so uh, like on top of that. Because there were so many musical people like, you know, Charo and Jordan Knight and Ryan Starr and Flavor Flav, they, for one of their challenges, they have to write and record a song. And it's this big drama, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, the song's called Live My Life. And I want to play some of that right now. That song uh, will come up again. So now we're talking January of 2005. The sensational third season of Surreal Life prompted the production of Strange Love, a show that would document the blossoming romance between Flavor Flav and Brigitte Nielsen. The show was half kissing and dancing to their song from the Surreal Life. They say opposites attract, and for us it's true. Cause you're not like me. As well as fights, most likely due to their rampant and blatant consumption of alcohol, as well as their obvious but not on camera drug use. But all good things must come to an end and the couple split. This show's fucking crazy. Like, he takes her, like, first of all, he goes to Europe and they stage it. This is when they start, like, Mm -hmm. staging stuff, you know, in the celeb reality world. And uh, he goes to, like, I think it's Italy or Spain, and he's trying to find her. And, like, he's, like, walking around the streets, like, with a picture of her. And it's, like, Flavor Flav, like, looks fucking crazy no matter what. And he's, like, have you seen Brigitte Nielsen? So it's, like, Flavor Flav walking through the streets of Milan, like, fucking Mm -hmm. holding up a picture of this, like, ex-celebrity like asking where she lives and everyone's just like i don't speak english and like yeah yeah it's bizarre and then she's like in a relationship with some young boy toy and he has to break them up and he takes her to his to meet his family like in in the neighborhood he grew up in kind of like a rough spot you know and they're in there and everyone's looking at bridget nielsen like she's a fucking alien and like (laughs) and they're dancing to their own song like showing Mm -hmm. like yeah we made this song on our show it's just a fucking crazy thing but uh, and, oh yeah, there's also a great scene where um, he's gonna take her to meet his mom at church, and it's like classic, like you know, like 
Baptist church style, like big church hats, you know, the Sunday brunch, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has to get like shit faced before she can go. And like she yeah. does. And again, walks into this church. Everyone looks at her like fucking E.T. just walked in because she's like so fucking tall. So crazy. They, like, they are just visual. I mean, like whatever producers, you know, when this happened, who were on this show, were just like, holy shit, we've just struck the gold mine. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, because you can't make this up. And yeah, they just, I mean, they do visually look uh, very, it's a quite a combo. <laughs> yeah, um, it's an odd couple. That, that's I mean, sure. it's strange I will, love. I, yeah. And I mean, often you, it's, it is not necessarily in our society. You don't usually see like the man shorter than the woman. I know that's like a huge generalization, but there always seems to be this sort of natural tendency where like sometimes people just think that that looks odd and she is well, a lot cases, taller than I mean, him as if people didn't look at flavor Flav like oddly enough you know right, what i mean well, like he wears wearing... fucking viking horns and like clocks right, and now he's right. got like this fucking you know amazonian like older lady who's just like constantly smoking and drinking right like, and that and then I, that's what i was going to say is the drinking so then that's another element of this is that that's kind of a thing that people realize the producers realize is you add drinking into this and then you really can just catalyze some unpredictable behavior. Yeah, it's the best. And you got the cameras rolling. And so then, yeah, get people drunk and then just see what yes. happens. And alcohol will play a huge part because the of love era is about to begin. So a heartbroken Flavor Flav decided it was time to get serious about finding love. And in January of 2006, VH1 released the infamous Flavor of Love. The show was essentially the same format as The Bachelor, which debuted in 2002. A group of single and searching ladies all pile into a mansion to compete for the heart of one Flavor Flav. The show was an instant success. It was hailed both as genius television as well as the first sign of the decline of civilization as we knew it. Flavor, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it, it's like everyone was like, like, you were on one hand like, wow, like we've really hit a new low. Or you were like wow, this is going to be the way things are from now on. Right. And just like how we said, we both kind of, even though I was watching this stuff at the time, I was really like turning my nose up to it and kind of, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe that they would say this is, yeah, tell this is entertainment, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how little we knew then. So flavor found <laughs> love at the end, but somehow it didn't last. So just seven somehow. months later, <laughs> yeah. VH1 gave us flavor of love Two. The season finale of flavor of love Two was the most watched non-sports event on television that year. Uh, I, like that's fucking crazy. Like if it, like there was the super bowl and then there was flavor of love Two. like as far as ratings went it's, it's just fucking crazy but still it didn't quite work out so in february of 2008 flavor of love 3 was released and in a shocking turn of events flav announced that he would not be picking any of the contestants but rather he would be marrying the mother of his seventh child now flavor yeah. of love is <laughs> like it's it's like non-stop screaming like it's mm-hmm. just like yelling like um, and also it started a lot of things that they'll use. We'll see later on in some of these other shows where all the girls line up at the start. They're all excited to meet him for whatever fucking reason. And uh, he gives them all nicknames and it's like, you're peaches like you're hoops. Yeah, you're yeah, pumpkin. That, you're New that York. That totally started 
Yeah, that started a thing, too. And there was just booze all the time. And the way that these shows work is, you know, this is like before, like, there were cell phones and stuff, but it wasn't, like, so rampant. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, and, like, social media, like, MySpace was just coming into its, like, major big own, you right. know? So, I mean, you, yeah. So they were isolated and, you know, in this house and they couldn't leave. And generally, it's, like, a 30-day film schedule. And, right. like, you're just stuck there. So it's, like, you either drink, go swimming, powwow with the other girls, or just, like, stay at the fucking wall yeah yeah and actually um sometimes they would even before filming started uh they would just have the contestants be in hotel rooms for a number of days until they had act like kind of before they got them into the house yeah they could just be in a hotel room waiting for anywhere from like three days to a week and it's just you're not supposed to have any contact with anyone else so you're just literally just in a hotel room for a week food being served for to covid you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know they had to quarantine the women, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, and, and like again, the show is fucking crazy. And like another good thing that they would do is have the reunion. So like you know, famously, Pumpkin spits in Tiffany Pollard's face, aka New York, who we're gonna get into right now. And like that's like crazy. And then you know they have the big reunion, and they everyone fights and screams, and it's fucking genius. But Flavor of Love did not just provide us with hours upon hours of wholesome family entertainment, but also a new celeb reality superstar, Tiffany New York Pallard. New York was the two-time runner-up of Flavor of Love, known for being extra dramatic and just kind of extra extra. Uh, I Love New York Season 1 premiered on January 8, 2007. Now this time, 20 men competed for the heart of their dream woman. And New York navigated the shark-infested waters of love with the help of her mother, who made a notorious cameo in Flavor of Love. Uh... In the first scene, she's like, do you even like this guy? Like, gross. Like, <laughs> like her mom's literally like, right, ew. Right. Like, fuck that guy. Like, what the fuck? Um, and now New York made her choice, but ultimately she had to come back to television for a second season to try again. That season aired nine months later in October of 2007. Uh, now, this is like... New York is the first one to like the first celeb reality star that was a star because of these because, shows. Right, exactly. That's what we're saying. Like Flava Flay was in Public Enemy, you know, like yeah, before he's it was huge. celebs. He was an icon, but now, yeah. but now because of this, you have New York, and she is her fame is coming from the show. That's her start. Exactly. You know? And um, when it says two-time runner-up, what happened was, so she made it to the top two in the first season of Flavor of Love. Uh, spoiler alert, she doesn't win. So, But then on the second season, he brings her in to help her, to help him like kind of like seed through the other girls and you know help him right, decide. Right. And then he brings her in as a contestant. She makes it to the top two again, and then he mm -hmm. lets her go again. And yeah. she like flips the table and is like, why would you fucking bring me back if you weren't going to pick me? Which right. is like, good, you know, good question. Um, but it's also, it's also smart because that's kind of the thing is like the winner they get the the prize is that they get whoever flavor flav and then obviously that's be. just not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna work out the runner-up gets their own gets show their own fucking show yeah you know well, so and it doesn't stop there yeah um also it's worth <laughs> noting um that in between the the flavor of love and like i love new york there was charm school flavor of love charm school which aired mm -hmm. in april of 2007 it was hosted by that. monique uh, Charm School is basically where they take contestants from both seasons of Flavor of Love, or I think, yeah, it was, it was the first two seasons of Flavor of Love, and um, put them all in a house, and they're competing for money, and the challenges they have to get are like, like they have to like, um, you know, go on like a blind date 
and like impress the guy without you know using their looks or they have to um like like run a, like run a charity or something like it's about like doing good things for themselves and growing as a person and they win money at, at the mm -hmm. end and so it's, and it's just another way to get them all under one roof again now wait which was it charm school or now we talked about the osbournes but we have to go back because at some point sharon osborne be started becoming we'll, we'll involved. get there i, I think okay. i think yeah, that's yeah. going to be uh on the second part of this because yeah there's so much to go through here folks uh, and i tried to nail all of these and i realized like oh maybe there's yeah i got there's, there's, there's flavor of love of, charm school and then there's, and then there's rock uh, of love charm school yes and then there's a yeah, combination yeah, yeah. of the two mm -hmm. for charm school three but we'll get to all that so new york landed two other shows that were more about self-discovery and personal growth august of 2008's new york goes to hollywood showcased her acting skills as she attempted to launch a new career in april of 2009's new york goes to work followed the starlet as she tried her hand at different jobs that one's really good and like th that one's on Tubi so anyone could watch it for free um, the jobs are like pig farmer ghost hunter uh, she didn't last long in the haunted house go figure uh, exterminator one is uh, it's a nudist resort employee which they also mm -hmm. did on the simple life with Paris Hilton and Nicole I was Richie. just about to say yeah we did we do need to include them into this like early yeah, days yeah I mean and that's yeah, happening like, right around Osborne's and Anna mm -hmm. Nicole era right right um, right and so this show, New York Goes to Work, is very much like Simple Life. Um, but at, at the nudist resort, like, they don't censor anything, like, for some reason. Like, it's like you get the uncensored version on the Tubi. So it's like you're just seeing, like, old dicks and, like, old boobs, <laughs> yeah. like, wandering around. And she's, like, trying to talk to people. And she keeps saying, like, your dick is out. Your dick is out. Yeah. Like, to everyone. Like, it doesn't, right. like, she never gets old. You know? I, I guess, like, I mean, the Simple Life is kind of that would be more of the precursor of the Kardashians because it's basically people that are famous for having lots of money and yes. being like, so that's, it's sort of its own lane. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and it's celeb reality. It just wasn't uh, VH1 who, you know, had the monopoly right. on celeb reality because they mm -hmm. created the name. Now, while there are several amazing personalities on Isle of New York, there were three that stood out just a little bit more than the rest. The first two that we're talking about are the brother duo Real and Chance, a.k.a. the Stallion Heirs. Chance yeah. <laughs> being the bad boy and Real being the suave, sensitive one. The two were given their own show, Real Chance of Love, in October of 2008. Neither one managed to find true love, so they came back for Real Chance of Love 2 in August of 2009. Then, right. in a strange change of pace, the brothers were given their own wildlife show, Real and Chance Legend Hunters, in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> so I skipped straight. <laughs> I skipped straight into. I went right right into the deep end with that, and I was with watching. Hunters. Legend Hunters, and it is really ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's sort of like Real Enchance meets Wild Boys, the uh, Jackass yes. spinoff. Yes, where they're because the one I saw was they were learning how to catfish noodle, which I is, saw that. Yes, that, I watched you, that one too. Where you basically wade around in like three feet of water and you can like stick your hand like in a catfish's mouth and like grab the catfish and it is totally like a legit like pastime hobby in the south but then there's also <laughs> these great but again to to this extreme degree juxtaposition of you have these two like black men who are going you know 
to it's, it's the very rural much exactly what you south, think and so it's kind of like, oh, they're gonna like yeehaw it up with the rednecks. Okay, but that's the whole thing <laughs> with them though, with with real and chance is that they're called the stallionaires, and apparently it's because their family had like a horse breeding business, like Arabian horses or something. Like they, there was always some kind of like like um, southern kind of like country esque theme with them. Like they would wear cowboy boots and stuff, and um, I think it's real. One of them has one of them's like taller and one of them's shorter. One of them has like really nice, like straight and silky hair. And like he dresses that one dresses like the evil pimp from like Superfly or something. Like, right. Like I, I, he, his yeah. character is very much Dave Chappelle as Rick James. I like was just going to say that there is when you're speaking of the look, all these shows, it's the aesthetic is extremely maximal like everyone yeah <laughs> is just like the houses are like huge and like gaudy and there's like always something like wrapped up around them and there's just like sparkly mirrors and just and alcohol everywhere yeah like and then everyone's just has like makeup like crazy hair like crazy stuff like all over their clothes like so many textures going on even like the intros of the shows it's like these weird yeah it's like, it's like they, they have the pictures of them but then they have all these weird like animated sequences mixed in and so like everything about it is just like turned up to the max there and that's part of it is there really is no subtlety it's like like you said everyone is yelling a lot of the time yeah no it's completely it's straight over drama the top. So the yeah. thing though with, with with real and chance is like first of all what I, what I love about them because I, I did watch the first season of uh, Real Chance of Love and a couple Legend Hunters but what I love about them is like they truly act like they can't fucking believe that they got their own show like they really like ham it up and like like you could tell that they're like fully like we need to take as much advantage of this shit as fucking possible oh uh, I forgot yeah. to mention by the way on um I think it's Flavor of Love three there's twins that are competing as a team um that will happen again <laughs> in another show uh later but um real and chance also they're the stallionaires so they call the mansion the stable and the outside of it is completely made into a facade of like a barn and these women are like they're they're br like they're breed like they're horses. now that for people who know a little about pimp culture is very <laughs> Very often, the pimp refers the to his hose as the stable. So that's kind yes. Of Thank you, Professor Parks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, very often the pimp will refer to his hose actually as as a stable. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but it's the whole thing, and they do the thing where they um, give everyone nicknames too, and like they're literally just like talking shit to these girls. Like they're not trying to be cute. Like even Flavor Flav, like as like weird and like fucked up and like grotesque like as some of the flavor of love was like he was trying to be like like give them cute nicknames real and chance literally named a girl meatball like, <laughs> meatball. like yeah and yeah, she's like meatball the, they call one the girl names on, are, yeah yeah like and on then also two, one girl's name is sasquatch <laughs> yeah also again of the time you definitely will if you go back and rewatch a lot of this stuff is in some form on YouTube. We love YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're going to see, by the way, Tubi is a great resource. Yeah. Tubi is great. I do. I need to get on there more because it does have a ton of great uh, free content. And um, it's free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's just ads, but whatever that this is also about some of the, something that's cool about some of these YouTube uploads is sometimes they even leave like the commercials in. Oh, that's the um, best. And, <laughs> and so then you see that, that you don't realize how much of that puts you in the throwback, but when you see the commercial from the time period, yeah, it really fucks with your brain. 
Yeah, you're like, whoa, like, yeah. It's crazy, but um, unfortunately, Real died in 2015 of cancer. Uh, he was only 33 years old, so rest in peace, Real. Thank you for the entertainment. Uh, the original plan, though, before Real and Chance got their shows was to have a different I Love New York contestant, Mr. Boston, uh, host his own show, but he declined, probably because he was literally the butt of like every VH1-related reality joke. Like Mr. Boston is like, he should not have been on I Love New York. He like, stood out like a sore thumb. Mr. Was, like, Boston is also... Also, the name again with the throwbacks of an incredibly cheap vodka that's something like nine ninety five for a gallon. So that also <laughs> makes me think of high school and getting way too drunk on the cheapest booze you can get. Mr. Boston, baby. Uh, so Real and Chance, they got their own shows, but so did I Love New York alumni Frank the Entertainer. Now, Frank mm -hmm. is best known for being the contestant that still lived in his parents' basement, so his show was dubbed Frank the Entertainer in a Basement Affair. Uh, and Frank, along with his parents, tried to lock down a soulmate. That show aired in January of 2010. This one's pretty good. It's like, you know, it's very like Long Island, fucking like every accent that comes from the East Coast is genius jammed into this house and the guy's parents are like like fucking they'd be lucky to be in this fucking family like blah, right. blah, like my little boy my special little boy mm -hmm. and like he literally but, lives in his parents basement who but knows also yeah yeah no he and so this is a good moment to also just sort of talk about where the arc of this is gone because we're getting into all these spinoffs and so obviously this is these all these shows are getting lots of views and it's very popular but for instance the premise of frank the entertainer is that he's living in his parents basement and he's going to have this <laughs> dating show there it's inspirational so, but yes it is but like at this point you do have to kind of when you watch that show you're like this is so rich like this this premise is such bullshit he doesn't actually like live in this basement like it's like this basement's fucking huge and like there's all this crazy oh, stuff it's to sick. it yeah it's like a sick basement and that and you know like the whole parents playing along you know that like everyone's in on this kind of joke it's almost like a satire of the bachelor and so yes just, that's what just, all these shows are it's like the right, bachelor but you on acid right but i don't think it was so like you know flava flav was a success you know he was Public Enemy is one of the biggest rap groups of all time. So yeah. as ridiculous as you think, it's still like the idea of like someone with cachet. But now you're talking about like sort of a third rate reality star who's quote unquote living in his basement. So that's what I mean is that it went from surreal life where Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen, like there was no way to predict that they were going to actually like fall in love and have this crazy romance. And then now you've gotten to this thing where like, wait, how can we like create a ridiculous situation? Let's have Frank live in his basement. Yeah. And so it's already evolved to this thing of like, now the producers are like, what can we do to kind of keep up the insanity? Exactly. And uh, I know you guys are probably thinking like, wait, they're leaving out like a major part. We have this whole topic split up in half because like you have to follow the flavor of love trail. And then there's another trail to follow, mm -hmm. too. And it's all happening at the same time. So we're kind of skipping around here. But don't worry, we have we have it all included. So. Now the surreal life is about to strike again. The reality show The Surreal Life proved to be a fountain of new content. Surreal Life season three spawned thirteen spin-offs in total. <laughs> that one with it all started with Bridgie and Flavor Flav. Thirteen fucking shows are made from that. The next season would beget several spin-offs as well. The fourth and arguably the best season of Surreal Life aired in January of 2005 and featured Vern Troyer, who seems to make his way into so many episodes that we've done. Uh, China Doll, aka China, aka Joni 
Tony Lara, who was we mentioned in our sex tape episode, same episode as Vern Troyer. The two, China and Vern Troyer, can't escape each other in the dump world. Uh, DeBrat, Adrian Curry, who was the winner of the first season of America's Not, uh, Top Model or America's Next Top Model. Uh, Jane Wilden, who was in The Go-Go's. Christopher Knight, who was the, uh, he played, uh, was it Peter Brady? He played the middle Brady b- brother. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Schenkenberg, who was like the world's first mega male supermodel. Um, this season is fucking fully goddamn mm-hmm. loaded, dude. Yeah. Like Vern mm-hmm. Troyer gets so shit faced in the first yeah, episode. The mm-hmm. He's riding around on his little rascal cart, butt naked, pissing on the floor. Pissing in the corner, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Floor. Just mm-hmm. like it's insane. And then China is like really kind of in the throes of drug addiction during this and it's not it's not like addressed but it's very obvious and she's like staying up like you know she never goes to sleep and she's kicking a disco ball around the house in her bikini while everyone's asleep like she's like totally entertaining herself it, like Mark Marcus right. Schenkenberg he has no idea why the fuck he's there DeBrat has no idea why she's there she pretty much stays in her room and plays video games all day like yeah. it's it's really fucking bizarre so, so that's but yeah the China thing I think that there is this there's this darkness to it we're, we're definitely talking a lot about the history of how this thing spawned but even i mean the content itself i mean i think that it's a fair moral question to be like if this person is having you know substance abuse issues but you know what we got them to sign the contract so we can film whatever and i think that that was also part of like my reaction to it when it first came out is i was like this i mean it feels exploitative, even if they are celebrities and they might have money or they might have some sort of social standing. Some of these people are not necessarily like in the right mindset. If they, and, if they weren't a celebrity, you'd be watching Intervention. Right, exactly. And I mean, that also just in, Intervention is a great example. And, uh, you know, To Catch a Predator is another show where it's kind of that's always going to be an element of what is entertainment and what is exploitation. Um, yeah. But I think that that all this stuff, especially with China and like Vern, like when you when you see Vern Troyer naked on a scooter (laughs) pissing in the floor, like your reaction to that definitely says a lot about like what how you your morals or what you think of. Like if you think it's funny, like this is funny. But at the same time, someone could very easily watch it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's offensive. I turn that off. That's not TV. It's surreal. I'll exactly. Say that. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a surreal, it's surreal. Life, but <laughs> there's also um, a great part of that show. So basically, like when you show up to the house, you know, you, you have to go and pick out your bedroom. And Vern Troyer, he had a special bedroom made for him where it's like like a little dresser, like a bed that he could get into mm-hmm. easily. Like everything was made for him. And it's very fucking obvious. But the first person to get to the house is China. And she sees that there's only one room in the house that's like a room unto itself. It doesn't have multiple beds. She's like, ooh, I'm going to take the single one. And mm-hmm. it's fucking like one of the tallest women ever, like sitting mm-hmm. on a bed made for Vern Troyer. And it doesn't once like strike her that like everything in this room is like goes doesn't even reach her knee and she's still trying like she's like putting her clothes in this tiny little wardrobe and they're like busting out there's a little bar and all the bottles of alcohol are like the little shot bottles and she's like "Ooh, my own bar like it's like it's like fucking gulliver's travels like when she's in there (laughs) and like they like the whole house has to like explain to her that like this room is specifically made for someone that can't like physically can't exist and she's like well no i got it first it's like china your whole body is hanging off of this bed like the (laughs) mattress is literally the size of just your torso and you're trying to sleep in it seriously it's dude Mm -hmm. it's the best it is reality tv show at its absolute height and lowest 
So throughout the show, the first winner of America's Next Top Model and the middle Brady brother fell for each other. And after many steamy makeout sessions in the Hilltop Mansions jacuzzi, they were given their own show, My Fair Brady, which aired in yeah. September of 2005. The two decided to take their relationship to the next level, and My Fair Brady 2 were getting married. and uh, That came out in May of 2006. And then... After a separation and then a reunion, the couple returned for their third and final show, My Fair Brady, Maybe Baby. Uh, there, <laughs> there was no baby. Uh, spoiler alert. That's why it's called Maybe Baby. Maybe um, Baby. And dude, these shows are fucking boring as fuck. They're dude. so boring, but what you this is making me realize I watched some of this shit, too. I mean, yeah. but I guess in 2006, five, I was still in co- or high school, so maybe I just was constrained by like what I could do actually do because i was still living in the house my parents house but i remember watching this one as well yeah like, they were just all mindless just, because it's just you're on you just like vh1 you know and it's kind of like maybe you'll get that one classic rock section of videos yeah, for maybe an hour it'll be behind the music motley crew and maybe it's my fair brady maybe but it maybe. didn't matter i I, f- I can't believe i watched my fair brady yeah I, it's I awful think about it so this is funny though. The reason why they separated was because uh, <laughs> because Knight, like Christopher Knight, thought that Adrian Curry was a lesbian and cheating on him because, as a gift, in one of the seasons, she presents him these st- like sexy photographs of her posing nude with another girl. Like, hey, baby, like thought you might like these, and he's like what the fuck? Like, so you're a lesbian and like, you're cheating on me. And she's like, no, no. And like, they end up getting like separated and then they get back together and get, get married. Uh, and then uh, maybe baby, but n- no baby. But I just love that. Like just total, like obtuse reaction to this, like sexual gesture, like where he's just like, like, Oh, gross. Like what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? So that yeah. concludes the first half of our coverage of celeb reality, AKA the of loves, AKA dump of loves next week. On Culture Dumps, we will be covering our favorite, the Rock of Love series and all yeah. the spinoffs that came with that. This is th- th- Those are really like, I mean, these are all great. Don't get me wrong, except for My Fair Brady, which is a snooze fest. But <laughs> Rock of Love is really where it's at as far as all this shit goes. So very excited to, to be doing that. Um, again, thank you guys, you know, for uh, allowing us to, you know, or for giving us the motivation to continue Culture Dumps for a whole year. Can't believe it's been a year, and I'm so glad this is what we landed on. Um, if you want more, also, I'm, I posted, like, the first episode of most of these shows on our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. We got all kinds of stuff there. We're going to be putting up a few extra bonus episodes of our side series, Squirts. So, you know, and there's, there's plenty of Podcast 99 shit on there as well. So that helps us out. Also, make sure you guys subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Rate it. Leave a review. That shit helps us just as much as uh, subscribing to Patreon. Um, but without further ado, uh, if you have any suggestions, follow us on Instagram and send us a message at Culture Dumps, or you can send us an email at culturedumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by Parks Miller, and keep on dumping.